Hey, this is Tom. Thanks for downloading. This is an interview I conducted with Michael Carroll over the internet using Google Hangouts, which was a first and a massive learning experience. Um, because it was conducted over the internet, there are a few audio abnormalities that I can't really edit out. However, I have cut 10 minutes out of this interview, or 12 minutes out of this interview, because I do appreciate that it is long. But we just didn't stop talking, and to a degree, I don't think that's a problem. Um, these interviews are most of the time meant to be quite in-depth and you get to know the person really well and I must say Michael is one of those people who you can just talk to, he's very relatable. Um, because it was conducted using Google Hangouts, if you do want to see the full interview in video, although he didn't have a web camera so it would just be me and the occasional thing he screen shares, go onto my YouTube page and you can watch it. Um, and there will be a write-up which goes on my blog and Arts Award Voice um, if you are so inclined to just read a summarised version. However, I will go now, listen to the interview, enjoy it, and I will see you on the other side. We've started. Okay, so, hi, um, you are watching Tom and his Prod... No, you're not. Tom and his podcast live. Um, it's a trial run, and so far it has been absolutely catastrophic, but I am finally able to talk to Michael Carroll. So, hello, Michael. Hello, Tom. How are you? I'm, <laughs> I'm a lot better now. It's finally working, but yes. Yeah, it was mostly my fault. Uh, I, I, I take full responsibility on account of me not knowing what I'm doing. <laughs> the computer programmer. Yeah, well, former, former. It's former. been four, 14 years uh, since I was in the industry. It's changed a lot. In my day, the internet was all black and white, you know. <laughs> in my day, the internet was all fields. And <laughs> <laughs> now you're actually just like growing virtual fields on Facebook and everything. Yes. Yes, yeah, yes, except I don't, but yes. <laughs> okay, so, um, Michael, would you please just, like, briefly introduce yourself to the people watching and then later on the people who will be listening to this as well? Certainly. Hi, uh, people watching and people later on who are listening. Um, my name is Michael Carroll. I'm 47 and six days old or thereabouts. Um, I, I'm a full-time writer. I've been writing full-time for nearly 14 years. I currently write, uh, well, I write Judge Dredd for 2008. I write Jennifer Blood for Dynamite Comics. I write um, novels as well. I write the New Heroes slash Quantum Prophecy series. Depending on which side of the Atlantic you're on, you get different titles. Uh, and, and many other things. And many more, as they used to say on the old albums. Um, and yes, full-time for 14 years now. Um, so prior to that, I was a computer programmer slash systems analyst. And prior to that, I was postman. Uh, prior to that, I was in school. Uh, left school when I was 16. I wouldn't recommend that for anybody else, but that was 1982. Times were different then. Dinosaurs roamed the earth, and, and you know, as I, as I say, you know, everything was, everything was a simpler time. Especially <laughs> black and white. Yeah, everything was black and white, exactly. Monochrome. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, that's, that's what I do. I write all the time. Um, there's, a, there's a lot to pick up on there. Um, Actually, let's do it this way. Is there anything you'd like to start talking about? Uh, it's very hard to stop me talking. That's the uh, the hard part. Uh, yeah, I can talk about anything you like. Um, what am I at the moment? Okay, I'm. I'm. Uh, biggest thing at the moment is my work on Just Dread. So that's a good place to uh, to jump in because it's all it's all fresh in my mind as well. Mm -hmm. my tiny, tiny mind. It's all it's all fresh. So that's 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 the big thing. So. Yeah, I write Judge Dredd, yes. Um, I've been reading the comic in which Judge Dredd appears um, 2008 since since the very first issue, since 1977. Um, I was um, 
10, almost 11 when the first issue came out. So 30 years later, I am I'm now being paid to write for the comic that I used to read. So this is the point at which I can go to my mother and go, ha, see, see, it was worth it. <laughs> um, but of course, as I say, I, say, I, am, I am paid because, uh, you know, writers do get paid, which is quite a shock sometimes. Um, I, I recently worked out that I've, I've finally earned more money from writing for 2008 than I've spent on it in the past 35 years, which isn't bad going, you know. I'm not taking inflation into account um, <laughs> because I don't know how to calculate inflation. Um, but yeah, so I'm, I'm, I'm ahead. So I, okay, I can, you're winning. I can coast for a few years now, yeah. So um, yeah, so as, as soon as I make all the money back I spent on Star Trek videos, I'll be fine. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, so you're a massive sci-fi fan then. I am, yeah. Uh, well, not actually, not so much of, of newer science fiction. I'm, I'm still reading stuff from the um, the, the 50s, 60s, and 70s. I never. Um, I, there's not many new writers whose stuff I've, I've taken to, and that's that's just me um, being finicky about it. But yeah, I do, I do read a lot of science fiction. Uh, but as I say, mostly older stuff. I mean, I've still got hundreds of science fiction books here from the. The 50s and 60s that I haven't read yet, and they're on my next to read list, <laughs> along with thousands of other books and comics and everything. But uh, yeah, uh, there's a lot of people are saying, Oh, have you read so and so? He's just won the Nebula, and I'm going, Nope, never even heard of him. So I'm, I'm a bit out of the loop, I suppose, in that respect. You're out of the loop, but at the same time, you're writing the up to date current stuff. Yeah, yeah, it, it is weird. Um, yeah. When it comes to, for example, the, the young adult books, the, the superhero stuff that I write, the novels are for the young adult market. I have, I'm in this sort of weird dilemma. And I, I, I've talked to other writers who are in the same situation. Is that There are books out there that are direct rivals to mine. And if I read those books and, and they're good, I would be jealous. And if I read them and they're bad, I'd be even more jealous because, you know, they're better publicized than mine or they're, they're doing better. So... Also, there's the fear that if I read someone else's work, I will A, inadvertently steal something, B, advertently steal something, which is <laughs> never going to happen, but um, D, where's C gone, and C, yeah, ah, C. C, and E, um, there's always the possibility that I'll be halfway through a book, I'll read or one of my books, I'll read someone else's and go, oh, that's my stuff, I, that's what I was going to write, now I must change my work. Um, so yeah, we kind of have to be careful with what we what we read. But I really don't want to get you know to the end of a novel that I spend a year writing, and then discover that someone has written the exact same twist or the exact same premise. Uh, I mean, it happens, but you know, I, I I'm a little wary of it. So I, I do read a lot of YA fiction, but I tend to read outside my genre rather than inside. Jumping back to Dread, Aye. how did you first of all get started in writing that? Uh, well, it's, it was it was a fairly long road. Um, back uh, in two thousand and one or thereabouts, I met uh, John Higgins, the 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 great uh, Judge Dredd and other thing artist. He's um, I met him at, at an event in Dublin, and we became close friends. And over the years, he was saying to me, "Oh, you have to submit stuff. You have to submit," because he knew I was a writer. I love novels and things and short stories. And eventually, I got around to submitting a few ideas. Um, I'm not sure how many. Over the years, I submitted lots of ideas. Uh, you know, for, for the future shock, which is the five-page self-contained story format for 2008. And they were all bounced and they were all rightly bounced, they were all rubbish. <laughs> but um, and somewhere along the way, um, I ended up writing a column for um, a, a now-defunct 2008 website called 2008 Review. And 
that led to me writing similar things for the Judge Dread magazine text articles. And then at one stage, a future shock was accepted. Uh, that was a great day. And then another one, uh, about two years later. And then finally, um, I got an email out of the blue from um, Matt Smith, the, the editor of the Desmond who said, look, I'm looking for um, story for ideas for tales from the Black Museum. And these are uh, like Future Shocks, except they're nine-page tales set in Judge Dredd's world. Um, so you have to be familiar with the, the Dreddyverse, as I call it. Yeah. Um, so he said, you know, look for ideas if you want to pitch. So I pitched a bunch of ideas and had a few stories accepted, um, which was, again, great, uh, more money. And then out of the blue, he said, um, if you want to pitch some ideas for Dredd. Uh, I said, yes. So in, in some respects, it was quite a fast rise from having one or two Future Shocks published Three, well, yeah, two future shocks, three tales of the Black Museum stories, and all of a sudden I'm writing the um, their their flagship character. Um, that was quite um, quite surprised, especially for you know for many of my friends who who were jealous, which of course is the primary reason for writing anything, is uh, to make people jealous. Um, but, but then again, on the other hand, I at that stage I had something like eighteen novels published, so I'm not entirely new when it comes to writing. Mm-hmm. Um, 18 novels, not kind of, that, that, does, that does count the, uh, the ghost-written ones that I, I will never reveal what the titles are, books I wrote for other people. Um, okay. if, I, if I reveal the titles, those other writers might get sued by their publishers. Wait, what do you mean you wrote for other people? You mean you've written books for other people? Yeah, other people publish under their name. Yeah, I get, I get a, a flat fee and that's it. But that's, that's a, um, you know, that's okay. It was, um, it's annoying to see books that are doing quite well that aren't mine, but, or that are mine, but they don't have my name on them. <laughs> yeah. But that's okay because um, it's, it's one of those things. It's, um, it's, it's practice. You know, not everything right is going to make us a fortune. Can you, reve- are you ever going to be able to reveal like one book? No. You didn't write Harry Potter, did you? Ah, uh, no. <laughs> No, 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 nothing like that. No, 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 no. But um, you know, this was this was this stuff predates Harry Potter. It was when I was really just starting out. Um, it, it's not uncommon, uh, from what I understand. A lot of writers, actually, I I know one writer who makes uh, who only writes um, ghost novels. He does not write under his own name. Now, partly these are some of these are pseudonyms that he makes up himself. But um, in other cases, he farms out books to you know other people farm out books to him, as it were. Um, it's it's not uncommon. Hmm. Yeah. So yeah. So I've had a lot of experience at writing um, many short stories and many novels and things like that. So when I came to doing dread, I I know how to tell a story. I just didn't quite know how to tell a a short judge dread story at the beginning. Okay. Do you feel that there's a lot of pressure to um, like perform at your best because it is your childhood hero who you are now effectively writing? Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I. Um, I, I said in an interview in an interview recently that you know someone says to me what do I think of this? my story my own stories and I say well I think they're all great as I'm writing them I'm not going to write anything I don't think it's going to be a good story uh, it's only afterwards in hindsight you look back and go that bit wasn't quite so good but um, yeah it is definitely pressure to to you know to do my best but it's also um, a huge amount of pressure in terms of Dread has something like thirty six years of continuity now uh, a weekly story um five or six pages every week plus a monthly one um or we have to be those writing that have to be familiar with all of this it's a huge amount of knowledge i mean i go back and reread the dread stories over and over um to make sure i'm not stepping on anybody's toes and 
you know, now and again, we, we, we slip up, we, you know, we, we reference something that was changed or, you know, we forget something that happened, some major event. So it's unlike um, writing for, you know, Superman or, or Batman or whatever, where they reboot the continuity every couple of years. We don't get that. Dread ages in real time. Um, the first stories were set in the year 2099, and now they're set in uh, 2135 or 36, something like that. <laughs> so it's yeah, we have to um, we have to be on the ball, as it were. Um, two ways I can take this. Um, sure. If Dread ages in real time, because I'm not really that familiar with Dread as a character, I only recently watched it. Actually, no, we'll do that one. I recently watched the film, which is why I'm familiar with Dread at all. Okay. Um, what did you think of it? Uh, the yes, the new movie, the one with Carl Urban. Oh, no, no, not the one with Sylvester Sloan, the new one, yeah. <laughs> yeah, the, um, the Sylvester Sloan one didn't happen. Um, yeah, the, the woman Carl Urban I thought was fantastic. Um, they, they, they took the exact right approach. Um, instead of creating a huge, uh, world-shattering story um, with a massive origin and all that sort of thing that they mm. normally would tend to do for something like this, um, it's, it's a story of a day in the life of a cop. Um, if you look at Dirty Harry, uh, from what I remember, we don't get Dirty Harry's origin in it. And he's not out to save the world. He's just trying to stop one guy. Um, he's, it's a story about a cop. And that's the approach I've always tried to take with Dredd, is that he's not a superhero. Um, he's, he's just a guy. You know, he's very, very good at his job. But he's not, um, he's not Superman or Batman or someone who um, has greater than human abilities. He's just a cop. And the, the end of the, um, the new Dredd movie... Well, I can't say this because it would spoil it if people haven't seen it. There's a line at the end um, where something happens. Anyway, a very good line at the end where it just totally sums up the whole situation. Uh, when we go offline, I'll say what it is. <laughs> but I won't say it now in case of um, spoiling it. But yeah, the right approach. Um, it was gritty. It was brutal. It was very, very darkly humorous and lots and lots of action. And many guns were fired and many people got their heads blowed up, um, which is as it should be. Okay. Um, do do you wish, or is there any opportunity in the future for you to be able to influence future films, maybe, being um, a writer of their comic? Well, I, 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 I'd, like, I'd like to, to think so, yeah, but I'm not the, not by any means, the most important writer, writer on Dread. I mean, right now it's, uh, well, John Wagner, who created Dread, is still, he's still the main man. Um, phenomenally good writer. Um, Al Ewing, um, is doing a lot of wonderful stuff on Dread too. Uh, I mean, I'm, I'm kind of filling in gaps here and there around the other writers. I am, I am working on my own um, set of stories, if you like. Um, it's an overall story arc that's not going to play out for are not going to be played out for years. We're sort of building up to it slowly. But uh, there's something Al Ewing is doing, something John Wagner does, and you know, they've, they've got they've got the um, the big picture. I've got the little picture. Okay. So, uh, yeah, but, but I, at some point, yeah, it's possible I, I'll, I'll come up with something that gets ends up in, in uh, a movie. If there is going to be another movie, it doesn't look likely, unfortunately. Um, Dread was not a success at the box office. Was it not? No, very much not. It, uh, it was officially a bomb, which right. is a real shame because it got incredibly well reviewed and very well received. But it was tarred by the, um, the failures and, and the perceived failures of the uh, 95 movie. The one with Sylvester Stallone, which was an interesting movie, but it wasn't really Judge Dredd. It was sort of like, you know, diet Judge Dredd. 
Exactly. <laughs> it was the MySpace of Judge Dredd. Nobody goes there anymore. Um, that said, at the time in '95, I, I thought it was great because I thought, yeah, this is the best Dredd movie's ever going to get because there's no other way to do it. But I was wrong. Um, this the Carl Urban movie is phenomenally good. My favorite movie of last year, so it's even even more even more favorite than the Avengers. So uh, I wouldn't go that far. No, oh, but you've no, got um, Dark Knight Rises, which was just like, oh, uh, uh, it was mind blowing. It was amazing. Uh, well, I actually I'd say I, I did really enjoy Dark Knight Rises, and then um, though every movie I watch, I'm, I love it while I'm watching it, and then mm. it's only afterwards I start thinking, hmm. yeah, Dark Knight Rises <laughs> didn't Dark Knight Rises didn't stay with me. Um, Whereas the Avengers did, Dread did. Um, they, you know, where afterwards I kept thinking about the movie. Though I did just watch Dark Knight Rises again the other night, and it was actually way, way better than I remembered. So, um, still disappointed that we didn't get to see um, a, 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 a sort of a final resolution to certain parts of it. Again, people might not see it, so we can't talk about it too much detail. Yeah, because I would yeah. just, I will just go into a massive dialogue about Batman because. Yeah. I love him. I, I, it's you, how do you reckon it compared to, to the uh, to the Dark Knight? Well, I watched all three of them. Just like I just sat there and I watched all three of them, maybe three or four days ago. Um, yeah. Dark Knight. In one day. Yeah. <laughs> well, it was kind of one day. I started maybe eleven o'clock one night. Went through and yeah. did the first two. Then went to bed. Then got up and did the second and last. Sorry. Um. Yeah, quite dedicated. I think the Dark Knight was. Uh, I think the Dark Knight was better. Yeah, I think it really captured the gritty world of Gotham in a way yeah. that was kind of overlooked in the um, Dark Knight Rises, and there was a lot less incontinuity. Aye. Yes. Yeah. No. I mean, I, I of the of the three movies, I mean, I adore Batman Begins. Uh, I think the Dark Knight was better. Um, and the Dark Knight Rises will be third of my f- of of them, but I mean it's still it's still a pretty good movie, but not not up there. I mean it's nowhere near the level of say Batman and Robin, the Schumacher one. Batman and Robin. Yeah, the one with Joe, made by Joel Schumacher with Chris O'Donnell as Robin and Arnold Schwarzenegger as Mr. Freeze. Do not ever mention that film. <laughs> <laughs> the, the, the film that didn't happen. Yeah, that, yeah. That. See, that's how some of us feel about uh, this Stallone Dread movie. Mm. In some ways, you know, okay, well, it wasn't quite that bad, but yeah, the. That that one, that Batman and Robin was the absolute nadir of sorry of science fiction slash superhero uh, movies. That killed Batman. That killed yeah. Batman for years because they were going to do another one and then they realised. Yeah, but it was only from it was. The, it was because they killed the, the franchise that we got Batman Begins. Mm. So if if that, that Batman and Robin hadn't happened, we never would have got Batman and Begins, The Dark Knight, and Dark Knight Rises. You should be thankful. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> it's it's a bit hard to be thankful because you think Joel Schumacher was trusted with one. He did a bad job of it. Then they yeah. let Batman and Robin, and he killed it completely. And it's just, and they were going to give him a third. They were. They were going to give him a third or something. Yeah. Yeah. Why? I know. It would have stank. Oh. Which is it's a shame because he's actually not a bad director given the right material. I've seen some great movies by Schumacher over the years. So. You know? I think I've actively or subconsciously tried to avoid anything he's done. <laughs> <laughs> After what he did to Batman. Oh no, trust me, he's made some good movies. Falling Down is a great movie. Well worth looking at. But um mm. well, that was one of his. It may not have been. I have IMDB open here and I will now check. But uh yeah, Batman and Robin, yeah. It Batman and Robin was so bad it goes back in time and stinks up all the other ones. Mm. <laughs> well George not George. 
George Clooney actually apologised for the making of the film. <laughs> yes. <laughs> it was so bad. Yeah, he did. Yeah, we didn't get our bloody money back, though, did we? No. Um, <laughs> I pirated oh, it, so... Phone booth. No, I didn't. You, I no, didn't see that. <laughs> that, was a, that was a good joke, that, actually. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yeah, but the, uh, in terms of my all-time least favourite movies, I would say Batman and Robin is up there, uh, w- along with uh, Highlander, The Quickening, or whatever the second one was. The really, really naff one. But, um, yeah, every every couple of years, I, I, I dig out the DVD for Batman and Robin and go, you know, it, it can't have been that bad. It can't. So I watch it, and every time, that. it yeah. is that bad. It's yeah. even worse. It's like, how many puns about ice can you get into a film? Ice to see you, and, you know, <laughs> oh, dear God. You know? <laughs> yeah, that was, that was pretty um, poor. Yeah, it was uh, <laughs> terrible. But um, a lot of people slated or didn't rate Batman Begins, actually. Um, well, well, they were they were wrong. Um, I thought yes. Batman Begins was fantastic. It, it Batman Begins is probably happen. in my yeah, it's probably in my top five superhero movies. And and um, though obviously my my taste in superhero movies is quite eclectic. One another one in my top five is Daredevil, and a lot of people hate that one. But I thought that was magic. I think mixed feelings towards it. Have you seen the uh, the director's cut extended version? No. It's it it's oh that's a whole new dimension to it. It's it's a much stronger story. But apparently, what happened? This is a friend of mine who's in the movie business said that what happened was the uh, the powers that be in the movie studio said, oh you know this Daredevil is good, but you know it's too long. So if we chop it down to just under two hours, we can get one more showing per day per screen, which means that the the figures will be greater for the opening day. Mm. So they chopped out a whole chunk of the story, showed lots of things, and of course the story didn't work quite so well. So if you can get a, get a chance to see the extended director's cut or whatever it's called, well worth a look, I think. I might go buy it. Absolutely, yes. And don't download it illegally, which you would no, never do. No, downloading yes. illegally is wrong. It is. Of, and listeners of this. Um, actually, no, to be fair, I do buy quite a lot now. I mean, I don't have time to watch yeah. that stuff, but I bought, Tomb Ra- I bought Tomb Raider the game and Bioshock this week. Well, very good. I know, right? <laughs> And they are both very good. Um, anyway, I don't know how we've managed to deviate this far because we're meant to be talking about you, Michael. Yes, yes, we are actually. Yeah, sorry about that. Yeah. <laughs> yes, if you mention Batman, that's it. You've just lost like. Thirty minutes. <laughs> um, we, where were we? We were talking about Dread. We talked about the film. Um, yeah. Actually, we can kind of continue this. Are there any other kind of comics or superheroes that you have an affinity to, or is it really just Dread for you? Oh no, no! It's uh, well, it's it's primarily dread because he was a huge influence. As I say, I was I was ten, almost eleven when I read the first uh, two thousand and dread appeared in issue two, and within a couple of months he was you know my my favorite character. But um, I'm a huge Batman fan as well, obviously because that's one reason I mentioned him. Uh, I'm a huge Spider Man fan, but I can't see myself ever writing for DC and Marvel because I the continuity is just too hard to understand. Mm. I'm not too to understand. It's too hard to follow. Um, it's not that you can't no follow idea. it because they just kill it yeah. and then start yeah. again. Yeah, I, you don't know where you are at any given time. But um, I, I, Batman is actually easier because they, they do have standalone stories. And I, I have a, a Batman story that I want to write one day. Um, it's, it's something I'm pretty sure has never been done. Of course, I'm not, not going to say what it is. Oh. But, well, how, how no. can I say? Yeah. <laughs> but, no, I'm going to be on dent hooks now until we go off yeah. the air and I'm going to pest you. I know, I know. I, 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 that won't work. I don't tell anybody. Um, <clears throat> but if, if you know, the opportunity ever comes up, I have an absolutely killer Batman story. And that, that could work really, really well. Uh, but I'd love to write um, Hawkeye as well. 
when I was a little kid, uh, way before your time, the in in the UK they had the uh, the Marvel um, reprints, Marvel UK, and used to have the Avengers. And the very first issue I ever got of the Avengers um, was the one where Hawkeye and Quicksilver and the Scarlet Witch joined the team. So Hawkeye for me is uh, I just thought he was so cool, especially because he's not superhero. He as in he's not super powered. Um, that's mostly why I like Batman as well, and why I have a great affinity for Iron Man. I, I like my characters to be human, but um, yeah, Hawkeye. I'd love to do Hawkeye. Uh, one day I will. Yeah, but uh, ultimately, what I want to write is um, oh, I want to do you know my own sort of creations, my own characters. Playing in someone else's um, sandbox is is a lot of fun, but it's it's quite limiting. With Dread, for example, I have to. Um, I can't do anything major to the world without, you know, bouncing the ideas off the editor to make sure that it's not interfering with what another writer might have planned. That would be the same if I was writing for, you know, a big mainstream superhero character. Mm. Uh, the, the, with Jennifer Blood, though, for example, which I've taken over from Al Ewing, who, before him, he, he did take it over from Garth Ennis. Um, I pretty much have free reign to do what I want with the character there. So I've... Um, I've finished my six issue, uh, first six issue arc on that, on the main comic. I also do the um, a, a mini series. First issue arc, six issue arc. The first one should be coming out next month, um, and that's great. I'm able to take the story where I want to go. There's nothing um, hanging over me. Uh, I've got plans then for the future as well, but I'm, you know, obviously I can't talk about them. But yeah, so that's that's a lot easier to do than having to worry about um, if. Jean Grey is dead this month, you know. <laughs> I, yeah. I, this, this kind of thing, you know. You think, oh, I don't know. Or is, is, is Aunt May still alive in Spider Man? I, I don't know. I don't follow it. No. Yeah. I do Batman. Yeah. Oh, oh okay. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, do you feel, would you, are you reading the Batman um, U52 at the minute? Nope. I tend <laughs> to read them um, in, in chunks. I buy the trades or I buy stacks of comics all in one go. Because I, I can never remember from month to month what's going on. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I, I mean, I get a lot of comics on a monthly basis, but I tend to uh, save them up until I get to the end of an arc or something and then read them in one go. Okay. Um, oh, well then, go, go forth and buy Batman, um, <clears throat> the New 52 by um, Scott Snyder. Yeah. Who's currently writing it. Um, Good writer. The... Oh it's, an, oh, it's amazing. Um, but the Court of Owls um, story arc has just finished. Like, there are two graphic novels, and um, that covers two story arc, like one story arc, sorry, within two graphic novels, and it, it's really good. Excellent. They've rebooted Batman, and he's done such a good job of it. So go, go read it. I will, I will, yeah, thank you. Yes, I, I will have to do that. And this adds itself. I mean, I, I, do, I do love Batman. I remember being... Uh... Eight, I think it was, when I first saw the 1966 Adam West Batman cartoon. Mm. <laughs> uh, not cartoon. Um, but well, it was it was great. Um, and I saw it in colour as well, even though we had black and white um, telly at the time. I saw it in colour in a friend's house. It was marvellous. I wanted to be Robin. I always, I always tended to um, decide with the, the sidekick rather than the hero. Um, which is weird, actually, thinking about it now. It says something about me. But, um, Underappreciating of your own capabilities, perhaps. Yes, yes. Or I'm pretty much very aware of my own capabilities. <laughs> <laughs> well, mate, well, you think, I wouldn't 
wouldn't say um, Adam West was particularly capable as a Batman, considering how massive his gut was. <laughs> yes, he was. Uh, but but nevertheless, he was a very influential character. Uh, you know, I mean, that series ran for three years, which wasn't much at the time, but everybody still remembers it. You know, Mister Long. Well, uh, uh, maybe I I, I tend not to. ITV. Uh, Two or three. Oh really? Oh, oh, I have yeah. to check it out. I've got the uh, the DVD of the um, of of the movie, and uh, it, it is so corny. It's it's awful, but it's great. Better or worse than Joel Schumacher? Better, I think. Yeah, I, I think better. I mean, I quite liked um, Batman Forever um, with Jim Carrey as the Riddler and Tommy Lee Jones as um, Two Face. But mm. I'm still upset that it wasn't Billy Dee Williams playing Two Face. It should have been, you know. But uh, apparently they bought him out. Uh, yeah. I don't know. Jim, Jim Carrey divides me. Like, sometimes I like him, and then other times I just feel he plays the same character. Oh, yeah, he does. Yeah, um, yeah, he does. But he's, uh, he's in my, um, probably my, in my, one of my all-time favourite movies of any genre is The Truman Show. And, um, oh, you have to see The Truman Show. I just think he's marvellous in that. He's very, very subtle and very, very... Uh, Relatable, if that's a real word. It is now. I've made it up. It's a real word. So yeah. But again, somehow we're talking about Batman again. <laughs> yes. Right. How do we do that? We we are going to move on to the new heroes. Oh yes, yes, the new heroes. Yeah. New heroes. Um, I must apologise in advance for I haven't actually because I'm at university. I don't have the books at hand. Otherwise, I'd have reread them before this interview. No worries. So um, it's been quite a few years. So do um like the accommodating of that when I ask silly questions. Of course. But where did the inspiration for those books come from? Oh, yeah, um, yeah that's great. I, a lot of people ask me this, and so I, I know this one off by heart. Um, the, uh, well, every, every writer of fiction um, knows that no matter how big something is, it starts off with a simple idea. Um, I had the idea of what if someone was um, 12, 13 years old and they found themselves they were the most they were the most powerful person in the world. Um, so it, it, these are, you know, ideas for any story always begin with a what if. Um, and I thought, okay, so we've got this kid, he's a protagonist, he's our hero, he's got incredible abilities somehow, and this age he wasn't even a superhero. Um, you know, he could do anything that he wanted to do. And that was the crux when I realised, ah, yes, this kid's got to realise not just that he can do anything, but that, you know, that just because he can do something doesn't mean he should. Um, so somehow along the way, I got the idea of what if there used to be superheroes and they all vanished, say, 10 years prior to the story's start. And this kid gets his abilities, becomes superhuman, but um, he's the only one. And that's, that was the spark for the first story. But what happened was, um, I eventually, yeah, eventually came up with uh, a, a lot more to add to that, um, a whole conspiracy and so on. But what's it, when I got to the, um, I planned it as a, I originally planned it as a three book series, no, sorry, four book series originally. The uh, publisher said, no, 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 we want this done in three books because people like trilogies. So I said, fine. I was halfway through the plotting of the third book when the, uh, my editor said to me, you know, these are selling really well. Let's do it in four books. <laughs> <laughs> so I thought, okay, so what, what I actually had a, um, some not leftover bits, yeah, also leftover bits that I decided, oh yeah, hang on, if I move these bits around for book three, I can make book four happen by this, this, and this. So, um, yeah, shortly before the third book came out, that was called uh, Absolute Power. Um, my my editor left 
the publishing company, HarperCollins, my, my editor left, and his, his replacement wasn't nearly as interested in continuing the series as I was. So we ended up with uh, book three of the series with a massive cliffhanger at the end and no resolution, mm. um, which annoyed me to some very, very slight degree. Um, no, to be honest, I was furious. Um, not blaming anybody. Um, I'm certainly not blaming me. It wasn't my fault. But uh, yeah, but what happened was the, the books had been published in America um, at the time and um, or they, were, they were due to be published. Um, so I went to uh, the American people and said, would you be interested in a fourth novel? And they said, maybe. I went over for a meeting then to, to the guys in Penguin and uh, we ended up with the situation where they said, look, we can do a fourth novel, we'll give it a huge push. But the problem is, pushing the fourth novel of a series that's doing well but isn't hugely successful is not going to it's not going to help you know you can't truthfully announce the fourth novel of a series that no one's heard of mm -hmm. so they said what we will do is we want you to do a new standalone novel that's not connected with this one totally um new characters superheroes if you like that would be great and if you do that then um we're on board and i went but i still have my story to tell so i ended up so compromising in a way um we created a sequel, uh, oh, sorry, a prequel called Superhuman. And it ended up being a, the best way to do things because it gave me a new sort of angle on the whole story. So I've just, um, well, last year, the third of the prequels came out. Next year, the fourth will be coming out. Um, which orders are coming out in? Yeah. Um, so, yeah, book six was the third of the prequels. So that was the... Um, the uh, Revenge of the Sith, if you like, in, in that sequence. Um, and I, yeah, I'd, I'd written the seventh novel, Crossfire, which returns to the original series and carries on. It ties in, starts tying in the prequels and the original series together. But then I had this um, absolute killer idea for another book in the series, but it has to come out before Crossfire. So I'm actually two books ahead now rather than one. Okay. Um, yeah, so that's, that's how that's going. Um, so the books are selling really well. I mean, I'm not making a fortune on them. They're not hitting the bestseller lists, but they're selling steadily as far as I understand. And the, um, the fans adore them uh, so far. I think they're fans of the books. They're not, they're not fans of me, but they're fans <laughs> of the books. But so far, I, I get a lot of emails from, uh, from parents uh, saying, oh, my son is you know 13. He's never read a book. But when I told him there were books about superheroes, He's, he, he decided to read them and now he's reading all sorts of books. And that's incredibly gratifying. Uh, it's, it's, you know, very cheering. So um, do you feel that, so I can't have two headphones in, do you feel that um, being a writer is an enhancing job? Like is, how do you word it? Do you feel that it provides intrinsic benefits? Uh, for me, yes, it does. I don't know if it provides benefits for anybody else. Um, yeah, is, is, it, is it beneficial to society? Um, I well, storytelling is, I think. Um, I like to tell you know the kid. Well, I, I do a lot of talks at libraries and schools and things, and I like to tell the kids, you know, you have to read books contain knowledge, and knowledge is power. There's very few people who are successful who who don't read, and of course the kids immediately come back with uh, Wayne Rooney and things like that, and I go, well, yeah, okay, he's a footballer, but you know, in terms of you know other success, you have to have you have to be at least educated, if not smart. Um, so I, I think I think it is beneficial. Um, one thing about writing or reading that some people don't quite grasp is that um, it is uh, reading is not just storytelling, but it's a way of, of um, presenting different views to the world. 
um, smart people tend to be able to look at things from other points of view. Uh, people who don't read or don't, you know, don't absorb much fiction will tend to have an opinion, stick to it forever, never change their minds about anything. I'm, I'm generalizing here, but I'm still, still right. Um, <laughs> and uh, those people who agree with me are also right, I found. But yeah, so, you know, people, smart people tend to read because they know that books contain knowledge, knowledge is power, and so forth. So yeah, I think, um, I think it's, it's, I think it's important. I think it's beneficial. Yeah, I mean, I'm not saying that the books themselves are beneficial, but reading at least gives you knowledge, and you know that's that's something. People don't necessarily um, get a better life because they know the names of all my characters, but my characters will have viewpoints that the uh, readers might not have considered. Mm. Yeah. So, do you subtly try to um, input opinions on society, or do you have some sort of, a, sort of <laughs> agenda that you're trying to push with these books? <laughs> Of course I do. <laughs> yes. Um, uh, yeah, I know. Well, I, 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 no, my agenda, my only agenda really is, is, is that the, um, the readers are, are able to think for themselves. That's the most important thing. Um, I mean, my characters will have opinions that I don't agree with. In fact, they're, they're the most fun to write. But, um, yeah, I, I have occasionally got emails from, from uh, readers saying, oh, well, I always believed in such a thing. But now I'm thinking maybe you're maybe you're right, maybe I'm wrong, and I'm going. No, it's not necessarily me who's right. You have to find your own way in the world. But uh, yeah, um, there's there's a couple of readers, um, younger readers who uh, in the Bible Belt in the states, who've seen very strong religious overtones in the books, um, especially in Superhuman, which um, is the first of the prequels, and it deals with an immortal superhuman who was born thousands of years ago um and they are they are saying that you know this is is like a religious allegory and i'm going well it is if you make it a religious allegory but i've always believed that in in fiction that depth is something that the um something that the reader takes out of the book it's not something that the writer puts in um the different readers get different things um so yeah i mean it's it's making the hopefully making the readers think and that that's worth its weight in gold, I think. <laughs> so, um, <clears throat> staying on the religious aspects, yeah. um, was there any religious element to the books at all? Or is this literally just what's been interpreted by readers? Um, yes, there is. But it's up to the readers to interpret it because their interpretation is more important than mine. Does that make sense? It does, <laughs> yes. But in this interview, um, you're interpretation is yeah but i'm not saying what it is because i don't want to influence anybody and it's not just that there's also there's also political uh, ramifications is Mm. there is a um if you've read the third the third of the original series uh, absolute power or the reckoning as a published in the states there is a a, an organization called the the tritopians who basically set up this perfect society um which has well you know i I say perfect in inverted commas um they set up this society where there is pretty much total security and peace, if you like. Um, but it has a cost. Um, and the, uh, the different characters argue whether or not the cost is worth the, um, the benefits. Um, and I like to think that the readers will hopefully, uh, at some point along the way, figure it out for themselves which way they believe, you know, is, is this guy right to set up the society or are, are they those who oppose it right? Do you, do you sacrifice um, freedom for safety? 
that sort of thing. So that's just you know one one example. Um, in Hunter, uh, wait, is it Hunter? Yeah, yeah, Hunter, which is the seventh book. Um, there's a piece that might not make it as a final one where there's a character who, who waxes on at length about why communism is is actually perfect, and you cannot, you know, you, communism is, is better than democracy. Um, but then at the very end, of course, so one of the other characters says something which just destroys his argument completely. Uh, and uh, I, I like that. I have fun with that. But I, I just try to do it within the context of the story rather than preach. Um, it's something, you know, if, if, I, I, if, I, if, I, if, I, if I fall in over my own uh, ideas and my own words, that's a bad thing. It, the most important aspect of the whole lot is the, um, is the story itself. If the kids aren't being entertained, I say kids, if the readers aren't being entertained, then I'm wasting my time. Preaching <clears throat> is, is not a good thing. No. Um, as a politics student, I want to chase that communism comment. Yeah, but, sure. Um, I don't know if whether the viewers of this would actually be that interested in it. Um, <laughs> I don't care. Um, <laughs> what? <laughs> what how did he actually argue that? Because I haven't read the book, I'm afraid. Well, well, this book isn't out yet, so... Oh, right, that'd be why. Next year, so, <laughs> yes. Um, he, he argued it by, 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 by... Not by citing specific examples, but he was um, talking in, in theory. Is that if you have, a, if you have a, a actual perfect communist state, and I say perfect by means that, you know, everybody... Did, yes, exactly, yeah. If you, if you have that sort of state it's perfect for everybody because, you know, you get everybody gets benefits the fair crack of the whip. But the counter-argument that comes up later is that you can't have a perfect state because um, it's going to be run by people and people are going to be naturally avaricious and not altruistic. Um, it's, it's the old argument that those who are, are um, those who want to lead to be automatically excluded from doing so because uh, people's agendas are going to get in the way. Um, so in any society where you have a communist or socialist state, there will, it, there will always be corruption because even if the man at the top or the woman at the top is absolutely unimpeachable and has no, um, no hidden agenda and it's only there for the good of the others, um, he or she will have to rely on you know, subordinates to get things done. Mm-hmm. Every single one of those subordinates will have to um, be unimpeachable. And each one of those will have to rely on other people and so on. So somewhere along the way, you either get um, a society that do, a communist or a social society doesn't work because it's corrupt, or you get a, um, a half-arse measure, which is what they tend to end up as, or you get something that just is a, I don't know, Stepford Wives type society where everybody's just automatons. Nobody's actually human. But this, of course, is not necessarily what I believe. It's what the character believes. Mm. So what I believe is... Um, I believe in, in, you know, the one man, one vote. I'm the man. I should be the one who gets the vote. So, uh, no, I believe in the benevolent dictatorship idea, um, which can't work either. <laughs> so, <laughs> we kind of fumble along as best we can because democracy is, is the, um, to my mind, is the best compromise. Okay. Yeah. Um, being in Ireland, do you feel that things are getting a bit out of control there? Well, like, which part of Ireland are you from, sorry, first of all? Um, I, I'm in the good end. The good end. Yeah, the best part. Um, I'm in the big bit. Uh, this what we call the Republic of Ireland, which is its its own nation. 
Uh, it may be geographically in the British Isles, but politically, it's autonomous. Uh, it's autonomous. Yeah, technically. Um, yeah, um, I think things are better here than they have been in a long time. Obviously, we, economy-wise, we're a bit. Um, it's a bit messed up at the moment, but then every country has yeah. that. Yeah, I mean, we just need to print more money. That's the only solution. Um, <laughs> Throw back the problem and it'll be fine. Yes, absolutely. Um, yeah, but politically, we're fumbling along as the best we can. Um, it's it's like any uh, any Western democracy. Uh, those who are not in power are... Um, Unhappy. Yeah, exactly. Those who are in power are incompetent, it's, depending on your viewpoint. It depends on where you stand. Um, I think that's yeah. accurate. Yeah, every, I mean, every, everybody, it's the grass is always greener, you know, but in this case, I think it's the people are greener. They they look to what they hope to have and they think it's going to be better and they don't consider the full ramifications. Yeah, um, yeah. but um, I, I don't know. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm a bit jaded by the whole politics thing now. I, I, I believe in, um, I know I'm, I'm fairly libertarian, I suppose, but at the same time, um, I can be quite right wing in certain attitudes, you know. Um, I mean, I hate, um, I absolutely hate uh, intolerance, but that makes me intolerant of people who are intolerant. So where do I stand? I don't know. I don't know. Let's talk about Batman again. Now, <laughs> in Gotham, no. The way, no the, the, the way Bane's approach was right, we should do that. Um, no, as I see it. Like uh, a hidden dictator. Yeah, yes, you see. Well, how do we know we don't have one? Um, exactly. You know, as I as I see it, yeah, I, I believe in in you know equality and freedom and all this, but I also believe in in as the um, as the great philosopher um, said in that that wonderful movie *Miscongeniality*. Um, there's uh, I believe in harsher violations for uh, harsher was harsher penalties for parole violations. Um, yeah, those who are um, uh, repeat repeat offenders, I'm I'm very strict about that. You know that kind of thing. And there's certain crimes that you know I think should be punishable by um, by multiple deaths. You know, <laughs> um, kill someone, bring them back to life, and kill them again. Um, but, I'm going to have to this But no, in general, I, I'm I'm fairly uh, fairly liberal. I think I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I don't think too much about politics because it's hard. <laughs> mm, and it's just it's it's not a good place to be. We'll talk about really. No, 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 no. Especially not, you know, when, when you know, we could look at, we could, well, we could be worse. Uh, you know, we could, we could look at Dred's world and see that as a good model. But it's clearly not. No, so where, where are we? Oh, yeah, politics. Anyway, yeah, so, so yeah, so, I was, so I'm right. Um, yeah. <laughs> On every I don't matter. Know. Sorry? On every matter, you're right. Yes, that's, that's true, yes. And um, people who agree with me are also right. But uh, yeah, no, I'm, I'm fairly, uh, I, I, I do believe in, in equality across the board for, you know, for the most part, uh, obviously not quality for like you know sex offenders or something, but quality for um, you know, basically anything you know. I mean, I, I what's that great line that a friend of mine said once that uh, when it comes to you know to uh, feminism, it's very important to treat women as though they're equal, which I thought was a great line. <laughs> <laughs> you have to think about that for a sec. Yeah, um, that's wow. That's not good. That's a line. No, but you know, I'm a firm, firm believer in, in equality of sexes and uh, and sexual orientation and all that sort of stuff and racism and so on uh, and religious tolerance and that kind of thing. So I try to get that across in the books to some degree. 
but again, I don't I don't preach about it. I um we had this discussion recently at a uh, convention uh, in Dublin, where someone um someone brought up the topic of uh of whether or not you can have gay characters in in a book without making them more vertically gay. And there's actually there actually are characters in um in my New Year's books who are non-straight. I'm going to use that particularly correct term I just made up. Um, <laughs> But I'm not making a big thing about it, um, and I'm thinking—is I'm not sure. I'm still not sure. Is am I am I hiding that because I know certain parts of the world, the books will be I don't know, possibly banned or burned in the streets? Yeah. yeah. Or is it that I'm thinking no? I don't want gay people to think that. I, I don't want straight people to think that when someone's gay, it's all they are. Um, I mean, I, I have I have friends from all uh, all corners of, of the, the spectrum. Um, and to me, they're friends first and foremost. It's not like, you know, my gay friend this or, my, you know, my lesbian friend that. They're just my friend first and foremost. So I, I don't tend to, and I try not to, to judge people on, on things like that. Um, like, you know, I have, I have friends from different religions and I'm never referred to, you know, oh, my Jewish friend, you know, whoever. I'm not going to say any names just in case, but, or, you know, my Muslim friend this or that, or my Christian friend so-and-so. Um, to me, they're you know it's it's who they are, not what they believe in. That's uh, the primary link. After that, then we you know we go away, we go deeper. But um, so I try to get that across to some degree in the books that it's not a big deal if someone's different in that respect. I don't know. Okay, <laughs> in the book. Not, not look for it. Okay. Um, it can be well. There, there is one really coming up in oh, it'll be the fourth or fifth book. No, wait, no, wait, the fourth or that would be the. I keep forgetting how many I have. It'd be eighth book. There'd be um, there'd be something's going. Someone's going to make something. Go, oh, but when you look back, you go, oh yeah, that makes sense. But it's it's not important. It's not because they're gay that they do X, Y, and Z. Yeah. You know. But like, it's been years since I've read the books, and I maybe that's why I never picked up on it. But how do you actually? Well, you may have already touched on this, but how do you actually portray somebody, um, somebody's sexuality without making it overt? Um, you can't you well, just really touch on it. Yeah, uh, if you've, I, I can't, I can't say again without giving away um, too much. But there, there are there are many ways of doing it. Um, I don't know. I suppose the best way to think of it is um, that. Okay, I'm trying to think of a good way. Um, okay, well, yeah, I've I've got a good example. I have a um, a very good friend who's a writer. Um, Comic writer Richard Clements, uh, he's straight. It's a different thing, as far as I understand. He's straight, and I don't care if he's not. But he is. But Richard uh, Clements uh, from Northern Ireland, uh, living in Scotland now. Um, he's, he's a good friend. He's a great writer. We have known him for years. We have great laugh when we get together. I still cannot remember whether he was raised as a Catholic or Protestant. I know he's told me, and I've probably I've probably asked him. I'm sure I've asked him. Um, in, in the Republic here, it's almost a given that you were raised as a Catholic and then you choose your own path. Uh, not that you're encouraged to choose your own path. You just people just tend to do so, and some people stay with it. Some people drift. Um, but in certain parts of of Northern Ireland, it is much more important society-wise whether or not you're a Catholic or a Protestant. Um, and Richmond is one of those. I'm not sure which, and it doesn't matter the slightest bit to me. It doesn't change who he is. Um, he's you know he's still still my friend. Uh, and if it turns out that he's not the one that I was raised in, it doesn't make any difference to me again either because that's not who he is. So uh, mm. with, with 
my friends, some of friends I found out are, you know, are gay or, or transgendered even. And uh, that's a bit of a surprise. But you go, oh, okay. But it doesn't change who they were. Yeah. With, the, with the characters in the books, um, when you find out one of the main characters, uh, well, one of the characters is gay, um, it shouldn't be a huge shock. It should be more of an explanation rather than a revelation. Does that make sense? Yes. So you go, oh, yeah, okay, that's, that makes sense. But it doesn't change what they've done or who they are. It may change why they've done things, but uh, mm-hmm. not really. But yeah. Oh, I'm going to have to go back and read them all. Well, yeah. well, you do, you do realize that my, my books are printed with special magic ink, which means you can only read them once. So you have to buy a new copy every time. Okay. <laughs> yeah, right. So. <laughs> that, I'm afraid but, yeah. that's not going to happen. I don't have oh. the resources. That's a shame. But, yeah. uh, do feel free to send me signed copies of the books, though, and I will, I will read them. Yeah. <laughs> I like the way you, 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 you show it in casually as though I happen to have a billion signed copies lying around with free postage, yes. yes. <laughs> Cost a feckin' fortune. I might send you, um, send me your address and I'll send you a copy of the short story collection, oh, which is a limited edition um, book, uh, which, I, which uh, uh, one of my ambitions ever since I was a kid was to, to produce my own book from the ground up, do everything. I did everything. I did typesetting. I did the cover. I did the whole shebang. Wrote it, published it, everything, uh, and did it, um, a thousand copies, and it was a huge mistake because these books are aimed at the uh, young adult readership, and they tend not to have PayPal accounts or credit cards. Mm-hmm. So around Christmas time and birthdays, the kids buy the books. But other than that, uh, we have finally broke even on them. But it took five years to break even on that book. Is this um, actually this will be a good section to dive into? Um, is this a good or is this re- reflective of the um, bookselling model as a whole? Do you feel that it is difficult for authors to generate an income from this like, area? Yeah. Well, I mean, when I when I did the uh, the short story collection, um, the ebooks were were tiny. There was no big thing. Now it's it's much bigger. I could produce an ebook version for nothing, um, and that way, well, next to nothing. Um, that way, the any any money that we make from it is is profit. Um, so I don't know. I mean, it. it the, the whole ebook phenomenon is, is amazing because people can publish now when they weren't able to publish before. But maybe it was a good thing they weren't able to publish before. I've seen some now and uh, some self-published stuff that is absolutely rotten. I've seen some wonderful stuff too, but I've seen a lot of absolute rubbish um, because the editor stage is being bypassed. Mm-hmm. Um, my wife just read a book recently, which she said really enjoyed, but it makes some incredibly stupid mistakes. Um, there's a, uh, I mean, typos even. There's, there's one stage where um, a, 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 someone refers to a tidal wave, right? As, a, as opposed to a tidal wave. It's a T-I-T-L-A, tidal wave, which of course the spell checker will, will pass. But obviously this guy wrote this book and no one read it to mm-hmm. check for things like that. If no one's checking the little things, they're not checking the big things. They're not checking if the plot is actually coherent. They're not checking... That the book hasn't, or the story, main story hasn't already been done. People are writing stuff and putting it out there with the most atrocious mistakes. Um, so that that kind of dilutes the water as a, as a whole for everybody. Um, we will eventually crawl out of that, and it'll get to the stage where there'll be so many ebooks that only the ones that are put out by publishers, by you know big big publishers, will sell because they're the only ones that can be promoted. So. Um, 
in something like Fifty Shades of Grey, um, yeah. it's kind of a flash in the pan um, in a way. Um, it will never happen again. I'd say, well, it's very unlikely it'll happen again. Unless, you know, someone's going to have to have a backer of a big publisher before they, they get that sort of impact. I, I could be wrong, and I hope I'm wrong, and it's one of mine. But chances <laughs> are, it's, um, yeah, that was, that, was a, that was a one-off. It wasn't a trendsetter as much as it was a, um, a lighthouse, I suppose, warning everybody. <laughs> this is what can happen if people are left to their own devices. Yeah. I'm, I'm not criticising the books because I haven't... Um, I haven't got past, past I think, page 50 on the first one. Um, <laughs> not my sort of thing. Um, well, no. Yeah, but uh, yeah, the, uh, those sort of things are, are less likely to, uh, to happen again, I think. Mm. So, so um, do you feel that e-publishing is going to be um, big in the future in a way that kills off traditional print? What do you reckon? Both survive. Yeah, a lot of people um, seem to think that that will happen. I I don't really see it happening because, uh, and I, I I could again I could be wrong. Um, I I I don't think so. I think um, I think that's kind of a a blinkered idea. Uh, people who talk about that forget that, um, uh, as a friend of mine said years ago uh, to an American, America is not Earth. Um, there's a huge, huge, huge world out there, and the ebook market is big in Japan, which, by the way, is my favorite song. Um, it's pretty big in America. It's quite big in some parts of Europe, but there's a uh, you know there's the rest of the there's the non-Western world, if you like, that's out there. That ebooks are going to take a long time to take off. So I think the printed world will be around, uh, you know, for or printed books will be around for a long, long time to come because. Um, well, for Zart, you know, I, I, I can read a printed book um, in the bath uh, without fear of destroying the 200 quid device that um, I need to, uh, to read on. I won't run out of batteries and, and, and you know, for the uh, for novels I borrow from the library. Um, and there's always something nice and tactile about, you know, reading a, a physical book that I think is, is going to stay with people. There will always be people who think that, um, you know, that physical books are, are better and those who... Um, who uh, are wrong? No, those who think otherwise. Um, but yeah, it's uh, yeah. I, I don't know. I, I I can't see where it's going. I think the digital market is not um, picking up as fast as a lot of people seem to believe. Um, certainly, my my own books sell far better in, in in print than they do on on digital, which is good. But then again, I'm going to show. You, see if I'm going to test if I can share the screen. See, let me know if this works. I'm going to show you something. So that's so that's a um, a fake book cover I made up there recently for a talk I did in Dublin. Um, that book will sell a fortune. But okay. um, for the listeners, there's Harry Twilight and Fifty Shades of Da Vinci by Patterson King. Yeah. So that's um, yeah, that's the sort of thing. That, okay, we're back. Are we, we should be back now. Yeah. Are we, are we still off? Are we on screen share still? I don't know. Are we? Are we back? <laughs> no, it's still you. Well, it's still the book. Okay. I'll click on the thing. But. Um, Oh, in that case, I can show off some other stuff. Yeah, actually, this is this is a talk I did in, in Dublin about writing called uh, Ignite. Um, the Ignite idea is that you can see this, I hope. Yes, I can. The door of my pajamas, that's what I call it. Um, Ignite is, is, is a fantastic thing. If you get a chance to do it, it's, uh, you get five minutes to talk, and in those five minutes, you have 15 slides. And... Uh, the slides hop, uh, there's like 20 slides, and the slides show up every um, 15 seconds, whether you're ready or not. Ooh. So 
here's me talking about writing. I mentioned, for example, that um, everybody has a book inside them. If you look down the bottom right of that image, you'll see there's a, um, that's an example of someone having a Vampire book Vampire Romance them. novel. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and, and so forth. So I put together these images for the, oh, that's the, uh, the 3D Reddit cover. Um, here's one of the great truths about writing that a lot of people forget. Um, 99% of the world's writing money goes to 1% of the world's writers. Um, not entirely true as such. I mean, I made up the figure, but that's what it feels like. Mm. Um, and yeah, so there we go. That's what you get at the end. Um, oh yeah, this is, this is my working day. It's what people are most interested in. What it used to be and what it is now. I work between 12 and 13 hours a day, uh, up to 80 hours a week. Actually, no, I say up to 100 hours a week. Usually 80, but up to 100 hours a week, which I know isn't a lot for someone who's a student or whatever, but it's a lot for me. Um, <laughs> And yeah, so that's, uh, you know, you, you actually, I think I have a previous, yeah, that's, if anybody wants to write, check out this picture. This is the recipe for success as a writer. Okay. You need um, all of these things. Could you read them out, please? Yes. Number one, you need a, um, a skip load of perseverance. You need a hard neck. You need two balls, brackets, metaphorical, in brackets, a pinch of talent, 24 gallons of midnight oil, flammable, and look, several handfuls. And up to half a dozen of you are severely beaten. <laughs> um, you do have to um, the, the look is you need to see a touch of look and a, a touch of talent to make it as a writer but you really more than anything else you've got to put the time in that's your 24 gallons of midnight oil um, someone once said and I don't know if it's true but um, it sounds like it's true the, the first um, first million words you write are rubbish it's only after that you start getting good um, so if anybody wants to make, be a writer when they grow up right now and then by the time you go up, you'll be good at it. Um, That's that um, 10,000 hours thing, isn't it? Oh, yes, of course. Like the 10,000 hours to learn how to play the tar or, or the drums yeah. or how to play the stereo or something like that. Yeah, that's it. So, yeah, so for, for anybody who wants to write, um, check out my website, michaelowencarroll.com. And um, there's an article on the writing section called On Writing, uh, which I wrote many years ago, but a lot of people seem to find it useful. It's... It's a motivational tool more than anything else, but if you want to write, read that, and it should, it should help. It might help. You know, it might. <laughs> You're um, quite big on helping people to write, aren't you? I, no. What's wrong with me? I'm, I'm, a cre I'm creating rivals in the future. <laughs> uh, these are, yeah, I'm creating people who are, are going to, to sound better than I will. But maybe when they're rich, they'll, they'll, you know, they'll see me in the gutter. And, uh, <laughs> I'm very you <laughs> I will be, but I'll be looking at the stars ah, yeah, while standing on the shoulders of giants. <laughs> Actually, that's why I haven't been a success. Giants are standing on my shoulders. So, You're doing all right. You're right with a dread. Yeah, um, I'm doing okay. Um, I'm doing okay, but, but the fact is, I mean, the amount of hours I put in, I'm, I would still be better off working in a fast food restaurant. Um, however, the advantage is that work I'm doing now will still be paying off several years down the line. I mean, I, last month, uh, yeah, last month, I got a royalty check for a book that was published in 1993. So work I did in 1991, <laughs> and that one was written, is still being, you know, is still paying off. Mm. Now, it's, not, it's not a huge amount of money, but it's, it's still worth nice. going down to the bank to cash the check. <laughs> So, um, well, yeah, and you can work from your bed if you wanted. I technically could, yes. Um, 
Yeah, I mean, there are days when I only realise that I should get dressed when I hear my wife coming home from work. I go, oh, it's that time of the day. So I, I, I turn off the computer or at least put it in sleep mode and get dressed and pretend that I was, um, you know, Busy. dressed all day. Yes. <laughs> I got out of bed two hours before this interview was meant to start, so... Oh, dear, dear, dear. Well, I've been up since nine and I went to bed at half past four last night. Yeah, so right. that's... Oh, yeah. No, seriously, that's that's the way. Well, I, I I I go to bed about four usually, go to bed at nine, and um, then I work through till uh, Leone comes home from work at about. Uh, she goes home between uh, five and six usually, and then she goes to bed about eleven, and I work on four again. Mm. Uh, that's five days a week, but I do less, slightly less than that at the weekends. Yeah, so so there you go. what work are you doing throughout the day? Is this all just for dread or are you ghostwriting uh, for other people at the minute? I, well, to, well, today I just finished off the script for something else for 2008, a non-dread thing. Um, I, again, I can't talk about it in any detail. Mm -hmm. uh, most of my time I spend uh, basically writing ideas down. Um, one great example um, is when I was writing Absolute Power, which is the third of the New Heroes books, my notes for that book were 45,000 words. Um, so that, that's, that my notes. that's, that's my, my outline for the book, is 45,000 mm. words. My notes were, were bigger again. Uh, I write conversations to myself, more or less, when I'm plotting an idea. Um, I just write tons and tons and tons of stuff, as if I'm talking to someone. And I can produce, in the average day, I can produce five or 6,000 words like that um, before I, I mean, I, that could go on for months before I even have the plot nailed down. So, uh, yeah, when it actually comes to writing a book, if I do one book a year, then of that year, um, say nine months, eight or nine months will be spent just sorting out the plot, developing the characters and so on. Um, less than a month then to write the first draft and about the same for the second draft. So uh, the, the times in between are uh, the rest of the year is uh, waiting for the editor to get back to me or something like that. Um, uh, but of course, I, I don't do just one thing at a time. Um, at the moment, um, say I finished off this thing for 2008. I've got a um, uh, let me see. I've got a novella that I have to write. Can't talk about that either. Um, which I'm about a third of the way through. Uh, I've got to finish that in before June, which is fine. I'll, I'll probably finish it by the end of next week. Um, and then sometime in next week or the week after, my editor from the States will get back to me with the final edits for Hunter, which is next year's book. And once that's done, then I have got to do um, the next episode, or next issue of Jennifer Blood. Um, so that's all plotted, so I just have to write it. So that'll be about two or three days. And uh, what else do I do? So, yeah, so I switch back and forth between things. Mm, it keeps yes. me interested as well. Yeah, plus, you know, I fill in the gaps with you know, computer graphics and tiny little programs and so forth. So, yeah. yeah. So why, um, if the editor is going to get back to you in the next two weeks regarding Hunter, why is it going to take, the, like, until next year for it to come out? Ah, yeah, well, that's that's the question, isn't it? Um, it just does. Um, it, yeah, in, the, um, in, in, in that world, in the, the book publishing world, um, I generally will have a book delivered about 18 months before it gets published. Um, with comics, it's a lot sooner. Um, with 2008, it can be even sooner, especially with Dread, it's even sooner again, because there's such a huge turnover. Yeah. But books take so long because uh, the book has to be sold in-house 
first. Well, that usually happens before it's written, but not always. Um, when the editor basically, the editors all get together for a meeting and say, okay, well, I've just got, you know, the latest Michael Carroll book. It's going to be huge, he will try. So he basically has to sell it to his own company so they can figure out how to allocate uh, marketing and, you know, publishing resources and so forth. Um, they devise publishing strategies and things like that. Also, there's, um, there's like time slots. My books tend to come out in the summer in the States. So because there isn't one this year, it's possible that uh, the next one might not come out. We haven't finalized the date yet. We might not come out until next June uh, or July even, which would be horrible because I've finished. Well, it is, but it's, it's the way it goes. I mean, the readers expect books at certain times of the year. So, you know. Do we? I, I don't. I expect uh, a book as soon as possible yeah. if I'm enjoying it. <laughs> but you're young. You don't know any better. Um, no. no, actually, no, to be honest, it's, it's weird because it's, it's, it's actually um, younger people, like the kids, who tend to, uh, they, they think, oh, yeah, Michael Carroll books in the summer, therefore it's a summer book. And that's fine. It's older readers who realize, oh, hang on a minute, why can't this come out sooner? Mm. Anybody who's read a George R. R. Martin book will know um, they don't come out soon enough. They need to be out a lot more sooner than every six years or whatever it is. Um, so I don't care if his books are normally a winter book or you know Christmas book or whatever. I, as soon as it's done, I want it. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah. I've been waiting for a um, sequel to Absolute Power for how many years now? Well, that sequel is called Crossfire and it's finished. But it, it's been finished for a, way over a year. But it can't come out until Hunter comes out because Hunter is now. Yeah, Hunter's now going to be book seven and Crossfire will be book eight. And because of, because of the story of Hunter, Crossfire has to change a little bit. Mm. Not a huge amount. Um, and then after Crossfire, we have, if all goes well, because every book is dependent on whether or not the, the publisher decide to continue on the series. If Crossfire goes well, then, or well enough, then there'll be two more. And the last book... Uh, no, there'll be Hunter, then Crossfire, and then two more. So okay. there'll be ten in total. Um, and we have six published now. Ten, not counting the short story collection. Um, and when we get to number ten, it's going to be one of those things that, that crowbars your mind open and you realise, oh my God, that's what it's all been about all along. It was all a dream. Yes. <laughs> uh, and what are we going to be waiting for, like, another six years for these books to come out, I reckon? Uh, well, hopefully not, because we, depending on how things go, we might be able to get might be able to get Crossfire and Hunter both out in 2014. Then 2015 for the next one. And then 2016 for the one. I'm not going to say the titles. Um, the, uh, on, make an exclusive. Make an exclusive. What? Oh, no, it's, it's, it's way too soon to delete that. It's never no, too soon. Yes, it's... it is. <laughs> oh, yes, it is. Well, I, I'd say half of the emails I get uh, from, from readers are people saying, when is the sequel to Absolute Power coming out? Uh, even though that's all up on my, all the stories, you know, the whole story's up on my website as to why the book isn't out yet. They still ask. Um, they are desperate for it. So um, I have to be very careful. I, I, I don't give away spoilers. I give away hints. Kids want to know, well, it's, you know, are Colin and Danny and Renata going to be in, in, in Crossfire? Yes, they are. That's um, yeah. But um, I won't tell them what happens in it. People mm. want to know. The, the, you, well, you know the cliffhanger at the end of Absolute Power. You may remember it. Um, okay. It's just about, yeah. Yeah, there's a certain thing that happens um, uh, that the kids who <laughs> have been waiting for years now. Because that book came out first in 2007. 
Uh, so they've been waiting six years already. 2007. Well, I think yeah. I just finished my GCSE. Would I just finish my GCSEs or would I just started them? What's GCSEs? How old would you have been then? 2007. Well, I'm 19 now and I was 19 in oh, February. God, 19. Oh, you're a child. <laughs> um, I can't do the maths. I'm not even going to attempt to do <laughs> the maths live. Uh, so I've just had a message come through that apparently you've got a really lovely voice. Who? Oh, do I? Yes. Who, what, are Best people listening to this? <laughs> Oh, good lord. Well, I could do my at all at all behaves is um, bigara cows at all at all. Um, a proper stereotypical Irish accent. Who, who, how do we know if people are, are paying attention to us? Oh, they just sent me a message through Facebook. Oh, um, that's, that's really good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they're just like, uh, he's so, so, so nice. Best voice ever, too. Oh, thank you, whoever is, is person. Random female. And thank you, random female. You're right. Um, I've got the <laughs> best voice ever. No, I, I hate my own voice. Um, I, I just think I sound muffly and uh, I stumble over words too much. But then, see, given that I'm a writer, I do spend all my time talking to myself. I mean, we're not out loud. Um, but uh, I do a bit of that, maybe. But uh, I'm not used to talking to humans. So I talk to the cats a lot more than I talk to people. It's really sad. Uh, it's, it's a lifestyle choice. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, you know, in the average week, I will meet... Um, probably two people one of them would probably be the postman and the other is my wife um and then i have a few friends who i see every now and again but um maybe once every month or so mm. so yeah just trying to think how many people have i met this week billions probably one i think i've oh. seen one person this week because everyone has gone home for um easter so it's just me oh, yeah, yeah. Of yeah. course, because you you young people you have things like time off and stuff uh, like that you spend all day at home <laughs> yeah, <laughs> literally yeah. dossing on a computer uh, actually that's that's something that, that happens when you uh, write full time is that especially the beginning people get this idea that because you're at home you're somehow available <laughs> and that is so not the truth you know yeah, people, people. Ah, oh, well, in the first year, people would turn up at the door. Hi, it's us. They come in with their screaming, sticky children. Uh, I'm going, yeah, yeah, but, but I'm writing. You know, I mean, it might be two o'clock in the afternoon. I'm still in my pajamas, but I'm still working. But yeah, you're spending all day in your pajamas. You can't criticize the student life. No, no, I, I wouldn't criticize student life. I, mean, I know how hard students like to pretend they work. It is really, you know. But uh, it's strenuous work, uh, you know. no, of course, it is, yeah, of course, it is, yeah. Mm. But, um, no, I, I, I was a student, uh, well, I mean, I, I wasn't a third level student because I left school when I was 16, but um, yeah, so by the time I was your age, I'd been working full time for three years, Spunger. But, um, yeah, I, I, that means it's 31 years next week since I had my since I left school. Oh my god, 31 years since I left school, that's like. Two adults worth me, you know. <laughs> <Yes>. <gasps> oh, it's time for a midlife crisis now, then. Yeah, I'm, I'm overdue for mine. I, I'm not sure whether to get hair plugs or a speedboat or a racing car or just have an affair. Hair plugs, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Was that your wife telling you which one you're having? <gasps> no, we can't, yes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, she's she's um, she's in. She's in another part of the house. Oh, she's in the West Wing at the moment. Um, the West Wing. Yes, that's right. Yeah, and I'll, I'll, I'll send one of the one of the servants down to catch her. But um, no, she's she's in the West Wing, lying on the bed reading because she, she she's a voracious reader. Um, the only reads probably five or six novels a week. She's a phenomenally fast reader. God. So yeah, oh, she's way faster than I am. 
I was even, even at my best when I was a kid, I wasn't that fast, you know. I mean, it's usually big, 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 chunky books as well, not just you know, little thin science fiction novels like I used to read. But I'm a racist reader. Does she read your books? She does. Yeah, she's the first reader of, of pretty much everything I write. Um, um, but she's 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 probably not the best reader because she she won't necessarily say if she hates something. You know, mm. you, you, you need for someone to say this is rubbish, and she's too nice. So she, you know, she would always point out the good things rather than point out the bad things. And I go, no, 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 tell me where it doesn't work. But then, you know, maybe she's maybe she's being selfish. Maybe she's thinking, if I tell him it doesn't work, then he'll spend more time working on it, and I'll see him less. <sighs> so that's it. That's her game. We the have revelation cracked, with her evil plan. Marriage <laughs> <laughs> is over. Yep, that's it. I don't know. I don't know. But I just realised that the only I have been married um, almost as long as you've been alive. This is so weird. You could be our kid. I've known her for 20 <laughs> something years, 23 years nearly. Oh dear. Uh, I am old. But um, that's, that's a very least. solid marriage. Um, well, yeah, I suppose it is. I mean, my parents' 50th <laughs> wedding anniversary is this year, so. <laughs> it is. Well, we are, we are very solid. We we never fight. We we get on great. We have a lot of fun, and uh, we've no children, which I think is a success to uh, the key to a successful marriage is not having children. Well, um, yeah, yeah, very probably. Yeah, In that time, I mean, have you never wanted a child? Though? Especially when you're writing young fiction. I mean, a lot of people who write children's books are inspired. Well, maybe yeah, by, assumptions aren't aspired. Yeah. By their own children. Well, I um, I have nieces and nephews. Well, they're all grown up now. Mostly, uh, the youngest of them is going to be twelve this year. Um, the others, the others are all adults and uh, moved away from home and everything. But uh, I never want kids of my own. And so, I mean, I, I I love children. They're great. But you know, I'm too lazy and I'm too selfish. Um, <laughs> I, I am. I'm, I I I see. I mean, I I've, I see my friends with kids and. Um, and the whole life revolves around the child, and they can't go anywhere or do anything because, you know, little Timmy or whatever has to be picked up from his underwater karate lesson or whatever it is he's doing this week. I'm going, oh, I can't be impressed with that. I have enough trouble <laughs> trying to remember to feed the cats three times a day, you know? Three times a day? Yeah. Oh, they're on a, they're on, well, they're on a special diet at the moment, so they get very limited amount of food three times a day. Um, yeah, so um, they, they were yeah they were overweight. So they were they're, they're, anyway, that's not the point. I'm not going to talk about the cats. We people talk about their children, but given a choice between cats and children, um, I prefer to have cats because you can lock them in the room downstairs when they're annoying you. You can't really do that with kids. Plus, you know they don't tend to cost a fortune in, in school books and computer games. Just medical fees. <laughs> yes, exactly. Yes, <laughs> and they're kind of self-sustaining, you know. They, they train themselves how to use the toilet and everything, so... Yeah. yeah, but then they bring dead things into the house. I don't like cats. I'd rather have a dog. Well, I've got dogs, but... Well, no, I, I, I love dogs, but um, I you know I prefer cats. Cats are... Uh, dogs are very human in their emotions. You can always tell what they're up to. With cats, you can't, and that's why a lot of writers like cats, I think. There's something there's something unknowable about them. That's why... I, I mean, most writers... Well, in my experience, tend to um, prefer cats to dogs. I, I could be wrong. But I don't think I am. Um, you never are. Yeah. No. <laughs> it, uh, yeah. What's, what's a great phrase that I, I remember from years ago is that my opinions may have changed, but not the fact that I'm right. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> I wonder if somebody thinks like you want cats because you can't tell emotion. Is that like maybe suggestive of underlying issues of? 
Dependent. Some people will look at their cats and go, oh, my cat's like a person. He thinks he's a human. He thinks he's human. I think, no, they don't think we're, they're humans. They think that we're cats because they're simpler animals than us intellectually. So they will judge things on their own terms. Mm. People look at the dogs and, and they, you know, it's very easy to see a dog as being human because their emotions are easier to read. Um, and their, their emotions are, are well, emotions are, um, let me out, let me in. Feed me and play with me. Whereas with cats, you look at a cat and you go, I have no friggin' idea what you are saying. And cats looking up at you going, meow. But, but what does that mean? Does that mean you're hungry? Does it mean you're bored? Does it mean and the cat just responds with meow? And I like that. We can, we can then apply um, all sorts of different ideas to what they might be up to. See okay. if you reporting back to their alien overlords, I suspect, most of the time. You know? Yeah, they are. I just don't like that. I just don't trust them. And they're just so non relatable. I mean, building on what you said, I don't know why we're talking about cats when we're meant to talk about you, but they are unrelatable. I mean, at least with a dog, you know, but they do appreciate your company, whereas a cat, half the time, they just look like you're bothering them, yeah. interfering well, in their life. Well, there's a great old joke is that the difference is that, you know, a dog looks up at you and thinks, wow, you, you feed me and you, you look after me and, you, you, you know, you, you, you take care of me. You are God. And the cat looks up at you and thinks, wow, you feed me, you look after me, you take care of me. I'm God. <laughs> I think, yeah, that's probably true. I just don't like the fact that I might be undermined by a cat. <laughs> yeah, some people think that cats are, are sly, but I think it's just that they, um, one thing that, that freaks people out is that if there's a room full of people, the cat will always go to the one who's terrified of, the, of, the, of cats. Because cats think, well, all these people are making a big fuss. I go to the one who's not making any fuss, who's sitting there very quietly. Mm. So because the cat's agenda is to, you know, to have a bit of peace. A uh, dog's agenda is to be loved and to be given attention. The cat will only want attention, you know, at certain times. When it's, so, when it's feeding. Yeah, so the cats aren't evil, but they're just, you know, different. That's why I like them. They know what Plus, they want. They're cute little furballs and they've got pointy ends as well, which are dangerous. So you never know what you're going to get. Cats are, are the box of chocolates in, for, in, in, in the Forrest Gump's world. Uh, you, know? you don't know what you're going to get. You know, for, okay, uh, films. You seem like a big film fan. I am, yes. Yeah, I love movies. I'm a huge, huge movie buff. We've got thousands of movies here um yeah I, I i yeah dvds a couple of blu-rays because i don't have the only blu-ray player is that i have is on the pc um so uh mostly dvds um and i and um, thousands of them i don't know we still legally attained uh oh yeah no absolutely i am um, uh if i if i had a if i was on a laptop and i had a camera i could take you down to the uh the room where all the DVDs are, um, the one that makes people sound with their jaws dropped open going, these are all yours. Um, but yeah, you see, it was, I mean, I, I don't drink, so I spend all my money on DVDs. Um, yeah, it's, we have, I don't know, thousands of DVDs. Um, though then, of course, it's nothing compared to the amount of books we have in this house. I reckon it's about 12,000 books in this house. Are you being serious? Absolutely, yeah. Probably, probably, how many comics? Probably about 12,000 comics, actually, as well. So, well, certainly 10,000 comics, uh, about 800 CDs. Uh, yeah, but you see, I am 47, just just gone 47. Yeah, uh, six days. Same presence to the usual undress. <laughs> but uh, so, you know, for, I've been collecting stuff for years. So, you know, and no kids, of course, you say. Loads of money, no kids. That's how it goes. But uh, yeah, I'm, I'm a, I don't know, I'm a huge fan of um, science fiction, but only certain types. Um, like good action movies, I love good courtroom drama every now and again. Um, I like uh, I like the odd comedy, 
Um, I'm not a big, big fan of very broad comedy, except in some cases. Uh, for example, the uh, the Zucker movies, Airplane and Hot Shots and all that. I love those movies, but I despise the um, I can't remember the names of the guys. The guys who make things like epic movie and date movie and superhero movie. They're oh, absolutely the humorless. Brothers. Um, yeah, I can't remember their names now. I do. I, can't I mean, remember their names there. They might be good directors, I don't know, but they are not good film writers. Atrocious rubbish. Um, and oh yeah, we had an interesting situation a few months from last year, I think, was, uh, at a friend's house. We uh, he said, "Oh, we watched The Hangover, which he watched a few nights before and loved." And I sat there for the whole thing. And I swear, if he hadn't told me it was a comedy, I wouldn't have known. But a lot of people I know adore that movie. A lot of I, people do like that movie. Yeah, I, and I didn't get it at all. It was all right, then, but it was just... Yeah, I, to me, it just left me cold. But mainly, I'm, I, I'm, I'm allergic to, um, to movies that have got convicted rapists in them masquerading as characters. Um, Sorry, wait, what? Yeah, um, well, Mike Tyson's in that movie. Oh, yes. Yeah. I mean, you know, I'm sorry, he didn't go to prison for no reason, you know. Mm. Um, I find it hard to, um, I, I don't forgive <laughs> that sort of thing. Wasn't he um, sort of like, wasn't there a lot of speculation as to whether or not it was actually rape or was... Um, Wait, um, I, I, I don't recall that at the moment. But we have Wikipedia. No, I'm, I'm not going to look him up now. <laughs> oh, but I, I have to eat at some point. Um, but yeah, I, I like um, I like a lot of comedies. Uh I suppose my favourite films would be probably well the Truman Show which I mentioned earlier. Um, love that film. Um, oh, yeah, I like a lot of movies that are 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 sort of on the. You shouldn't really like this movie list. Um, have you ever seen um, the movie adaptation of Josie and the Pussycats? No. And it's something that you think this can't be good, but it works for me. I love that film. Um, things like that. Uh, there's a lot of movies like that. I go, well, this shouldn't work, but I like it. Um, I'm trying to think of all my favourite movies now. The Shawshank Redemption is a great movie. Good, the Bad, and the Ugly is a classic. Uh, Donnie Darko. Donnie Darko, yes, that's good. But I've watched that so often that I can't watch it anymore because I know it off by heart. So I, um, yeah, I love that movie. It's my still, God, that's it's still a classic, though. It is, it is, yeah. Actually, that's that's one of the problems I have is that I, I do tend to watch my favourites so often that I don't need to watch them anymore. Um, no, I can quote, yeah, <laughs> I can quote all of Monty Python's Life of Brian and all of Monty Python's The Holy Grail. I could recite pretty much the whole movie um, in both cases. And a few films like that. Um, and I was, I was a huge, huge Star Wars fan for a very long time. But I've recently got to the stage now where I just can't watch them anymore. What do you Apparently, think of the... Um like Disney buying it and then making a new series. Are you excited or are you just eh? I'm, I'm excited as I was when I heard the sequels are coming out, the prequels are coming out. Um, I'm at that stage where I'm going, yeah, this could be good. I'm looking forward to this because I want to see what happens. Um, a new Blood is going to be good, I think. Yeah. Um, but they've got all the old characters. Well, they may have. We don't know for certain yet. Um, I thought um, the, oh, I can't remember the, is it Fisher? Um, Carrie Fisher. Carrie, Carrie Fisher, yeah. yeah. Yeah, she's confirmed. Oh, excellent. I thought well, I think she's confirmed, and then yeah. um, Harrison Ford might have confirmed as well, I think. Yeah, well, I mean, Harrison Ford and Carrie Fisher and Mark Hamill are actually three very, 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 very talented actors and, and so on. Carrie Fisher, for example, is... Um, She's, a, she's an amazing writer. Uh, Mark Hamill, uh, which... Incredible vocalist. Absolutely incredible vocalist. I've seen him in a lot of things. He is an extremely versatile actor. And people 
pigeonholed him as Luke Skywalker very early on, and he never really got a break apart from that. It's not very fair. Um, I think him more as the Joker. Yeah, I see, because you were younger, so you have more experience of him as a Joker. That's fantastic, because that's as it should be. People in my generation will always, he'll always be Luke Skywalker no matter what he does. Mm-hmm. Um, this Harrison Ford managed to get out of the Han Solo shadow by being Indiana Jones. Indiana Jones, yeah. And yeah. then he sort of ruined that by um, carrying on. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that, that was terrible. Was, yeah, it wasn't, it wasn't great. Yeah, it, it, it read like, a, or felt like a fan fiction version of Indiana Jones. I'd be, I'd be worried they would do that with Star Wars. But again, you know, we'll see. I mean, I, I'm, I'm, I would criticize them for making sequels because it is, it is a cash cow. And, uh, you know, it's, it's a movie make, a money making industry. It's not about the art. You know, so they, it's going to happen sooner or later. It's like the whole argument we had a few years ago, with, uh, a couple years back with um, before Watchmen, getting back to comics. Um, a, lot of, a lot of my friends are, are huge. Alan Moore fans, actually, as am I, but um, some of them were really offended with the idea that Watchmen might get a, um, a series of prequels or sequels or something. Um, but as I see it, you know, there was never not going to be a sequel to Watchmen, or at least there was never going to be more exploration of that world. Mm. So um, it's better that it happens uh, under the, the banner of, um, under the control of some good people, some good creators, than just a bunch of hacks. So, yeah. yeah. You know. And I also, you know, Oh God! Oh, it's at the end yeah. of the interview, I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah. click. <laughs> I, I thought it, I, I don't know. I don't think I was watching it at the best frame. Oh, of that's mind. the movie. Yeah. Oh, yeah what, the about, movie. what about the comic though? The I comic from 1987. Oh, well, okay. See, when Watchmen came out, um, it came out I think the year after, or right at the same time anyway, as the the Dark Knight Returns which is the first, well, that was the first good Batman story in years. Um, that's when comics started to grow up. Um, until, I mean, got the early part of the 80s, 2008 was the only strong thing in comics. But then, of course, Alan Moore again uh, was, was prime mover there, or one of the prime movers there. Um, but when Watchmen was groundbreaking and phenomenal as a comic when it came out because it got people reading comics who hadn't touched them in, in decades. So, you know... It was, it was, it was big. I'd recommend reading Watchmen before you watch it, which is too late now. So yeah, yeah. it's been a while, so I might be able to get away with it. Yeah, true. Maybe. Well, I mean, I, I thought the film was a good adaptation, but it wasn't a, a book that necessarily needed to be adapted. But then again, you know, the rights were sold. It was never not going to happen. Mm-hmm. So um, back to Star. Well, the area of Star Wars. You mentioned that you um, like Star Trek. Yeah, yeah, I do to a degree. I'm not a Trekkie by any means. I am. Um, no, no, not at all. Um, I uh, well, the original Star Trek was very influential. Uh, actually, I actually think that was the first show I ever saw on color. Um, um, very influential the original Star Trek because <clears throat> when that was, I mean, I saw that repeats of that in the seventies, and it wouldn't have um, there wouldn't have been much of science fiction on at the time. There's certainly nothing of that quality. <clears throat> Pardon me. Next Generation was very good um, for its time. That's aged really badly. Um, it's only in the latter two or three seasons that are still watchable. But the one that really worked for me was uh, Deep Space Nine. I thought that was much better Star Trek than uh, The Next Generation or than anything that came since because they didn't have this real reset button where they have an adventure and they fly away to somewhere else at the end of the, um, the show. They had problems 
because it was a space station, they had to deal with the problems in subsequent episodes. So it made for much more intricate stories. I so you're quite story focused then. What oh yeah, yeah. Well, sorry, I'm sorry, and character focused. Um, but character. Actually, we go back to my um, my ignite image there, and oh, I, I'm not sure turning the screen. I'm like, no. Well, um, you've been a black box since oh, you touched something. Yeah, I'm not sure. Oh, yeah, oh, in that case, I'll put something else up. Um, hang on. And I will share that one. Okay, you seeing that? Yes, we've got it. Okay, it's it's from one of my cards from the Ignite thing. It says plotting and characterization. Every scene must advance the story. Every character thinks that he or she is the hero. And this is the most important part. The story affects the characters. The characters affect the story. For me, you've got to have both story and character. Um, the first affect there, beginning with A, means that the story changes the characters and the characters effect the story means the characters create the story so um, to me that's the most important thing about uh, uh, storytelling which is why when it came to Trek Deep Space Nine was was definitely for me much more important as I say they couldn't run away from the problems they had um, a huge number of, of um, ongoing storylines that the other Treks never managed to, uh, to, to keep going uh, unless the Enterprise, you know, I kind of gave up on Enterprise after the first season because it was boring. Um, but apparently it gets really, really good after, I was halfway through the third season or something like that, it gets really good. But for me, the best um, science fiction show after the time was uh, Babylon Firefly. 5. Firefly. No, after the time was no. Babylon 5. Firefly has subsequently surpassed it, yes. Uh, in science fiction terms, yeah. I can't believe they killed it. I can't believe they killed no, it. We, we watch it every couple of months, uh, well, every six months or so. We watch the whole thing again and go, what were they thinking? Why would they cancel this fantastic, fantastic show? Mm. Oh, excellent piece of work, but we will never see it's like again. There are rumblings that it might be done. Yeah, well, we, we, got, one, we got another shot. We got Serenity. Um, but Serenity and... only barely made its money back, so, you know... It's not. It's. I don't think it's going to happen. It would it's be a nice. Cult if, following. Yeah, but the comic books are great, but they're not the same, you know. Mm. The actually comic books, but I think the um, we won't see. We won't see like a Firefly again for a long time. Though at the moment, though, the best the best show on TV at the moment is Game of Thrones, which is coming back next week. Hey. Not watched it <sighs> at all. I don't have a telly. Ah, yeah. so, of course. And it's not like you'd, you'd, you know, you'd be able to watch them on a computer or anything like that. because that's No, like, because I don't do yeah. that kind of thing. I don't even know what it is. No, I definitely haven't Why don't even sitting on a server at home waiting for you <laughs> to come back. <laughs> but yeah, Game of Thrones is great. Walking Dead is great fun as well. But um, there's, there's not a lot. Um... Oh yeah, the new thing, Revolution, is coming soon. That could be interesting. J.J. Abrams' story. But I'm really annoyed with that one because I had the same idea about 12 years ago and I didn't do anything with it. I sat on the idea. Wasted. Yep. And um, that's happened again more recently with something else, which I won't talk about because I'm still annoyed. So, uh, yeah. But it happened no, right here. What was it? Uh, okay. Well, yeah, there's a, it's, it's the, um, the idea that there's a, a plague of zombies, but someone finds a cure. So the zombies start, people try to rehabilitate them back into society. So you get people who are former zombies. But in my case, my story, um, they're all ghettoized. So they're not allowed to vote, for example, or anything like that. And uh, the story was, was pretty bleak, but was good fun. But you have people who are, yeah, former zombies, um, which is quite good. So they still have bits hanging off them and things like that. Yeah. Mm. 
uh, which was a lot of fun. Um, but the um, I pitched the story to a few publishers back in 2008, and uh, they you no know, they were interested. So there you go. So what what did it? Because um, when you oh, mentioned yeah, it, I was originally thinking District Nine, but oh no 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 no. Uh, though actually, funny you should say that. Someone else mentioned that it was quite similar to District Nine. Um, it was it's a thing that came out recently, which I can't remember the name of. It was on TV, a new zombie show. In the flesh, in the flesh. Apparently, no, I haven't seen it, but apparently that's what it's about. It's about rehabilitation zombies. So I'm a bit annoyed about that one. But then, I always, I'm always going to have more ideas than I'll ever be able to write. That's um, when the more you write, the more ideas will come. Uh, so I used to do this thing where I would write down every single idea that came, uh, but now I don't. If I get a great idea, I think okay, and I just I don't write it down because if if I can still remember the idea in a couple of weeks' time. Then, then I know it's a good one. Mm. The idea is still staying with me. And sometimes the idea just won't go away. There's, there's one I have at the moment that um, it's, I'm developing something for the future that uh, the idea came to me and went, oh, that would be interesting. Didn't write it down and I could not stop thinking about it. So that's one I know is going to be a good one. So I won't so, say what it is. Yeah. <laughs> Again, can't tell anything. Mm -hmm. But um, would you then say that the idea of carrying around a notebook to write down inspiration is not good? Are you saying that needs to be a filtering process for creativity? Um, ooh. Uh, yeah, no, I don't think so. Yeah, a professional interviewer. Yeah, it is a good question. I don't think it's not good, but I do think that um, when you get to the level that I'm at, where, where writing is pretty much all I do, then we're going to quickly find ourselves in, you know, find ourselves in a situation where... Um, there's uh, there's too many ideas to to keep track of them all, so we only write the good ones. If you see what I mean. Is the screen gone black again? There, yeah. Yes, the screen is black. Fine, that's good. So we know how to turn it off now. Yeah, cool. Um, yeah, but so you get to stage where if I write on every idea, I'll, um, the good ideas will get lost with all the bad ones. Because I mean, ninety nine percent of my ideas are going to be rubbish or they've been done already. It's only the one percent I want to keep. So if an idea sticks in my head and won't go away, the odds are that's a good one. And then, of course, of all of those ideas, you're going to find at least nine out of ten have been done by someone else. Mm. So, anyhow, that's that's uh, my problem. But but it's it's not insurmountable. So, comparatively, so, listen, we've been in it for nearly two yeah, hours. I've just looked at the time. Yeah. We've been going for a ridiculous yeah. amount of time. I know. Um, and it's, it, no one's going to listen to all this on YouTube. Um, no, I've got to download the audio as well and then cut it and make it into a podcast. So oh I'm going to cut God. out. Yeah. I know. I, yeah, and I'm hungry. You know. So mm, perhaps the I listeners can email you with suggestions of what I might have for my tea. <laughs> um, but they won't. But um, yeah, listen, thank you very much for the opportunity to actually talk to a human being. No worries. Um, this is human interaction for both of us. Because <laughs> all, your, all your real friends are gone off now because they're all home for the holidays. Yeah. So you, yeah, so you have to pretend to be my friend now. Um, I <laughs> remember just pester being... online people. <laughs> but um, yeah, listen, um, thank you again. Uh, everybody, please buy my books. The more, um, the more books of mine you buy, the uh, richer and more successful I will become, uh, which I think at least one of us will be successful. So it might as well be me. <laughs> so okay. everybody should buy my books and for those of you um, listening in black and white um, tough yeah <laughs> um, websites links and yeah. anything advertise yourself this is the okay. part uh, yeah that's where, where the latest, latest of 2000 AD has a story by me buy that buy lots of them um, 
go to www.michaelowencarroll.com and uh, it's all one word uh, m-i-c-h-a-e-l-o-w-e-n and c-a-r-r-o-l-l so that's my web website there's links to there to everything else um if you're interested in the new heroes books or the superhuman books or anything like that go to quantumprophecy.com uh, easy enough to find again from my own website and oh if you want to write guys anybody wants to write check out my name generator which is on my website um which is a pretty handy piece of software which generates billions and billions of names so if you get stuck for the name of a character have a look at that and um it's free Can't get wrong. How, how cool am i <laughs> <laughs> well, until uh, next time i get my webcam working though immediately it was hard enough getting the um well yes it's microphone working an hour, yeah. But, um... yeah. sorry about that sorry sorry to everybody who was waiting if anybody was waiting we've got a couple of viewers yeah hello viewers I'm waving, but you can't see because I don't have a webcam. I'll, be, I'll wave harder. Yeah. <laughs> go, anyway, anyway. I'll tell you what to do, guys. Look, go into Google Earth, zoom in onto my address, and I'll wave out the window. I don't give out your address because I will have to edit it out, and then I'll be sued when you're, like, stabbed or something. So That's, that's true. <laughs> I think we'll um, wrap it up here, and I will okay, thank, you very much. thank you for coming on, and oh, thank you, everybody, for listening. Bye-bye. Thank you. Bye-bye. Hey there, stranger. Um, well done for listening to the whole one hour, 39 minutes or whatever of it. Um, I do appreciate it is long, but hopefully you found it enjoyable. Uh, you know, the drill, subscribe on iTunes, rate it five stars, give it a positive comment, uh, because those are really, really helpful in getting me more exposed. And maybe in the future, somebody will sponsor me and then I can go off and do like proper recordings which would be really nice email me at podcast at if you have any comments views or if there's somebody you'd like me to interview or try to interview um or if you know somebody who i should be interviewing then do pass their details on to me and i will try and sort that out i've recorded this on easter so if you are listening to it on easter day then i hope you have a fantastic easter and if you're listening to it later then i hope easter was great for you and i hope the day that you are listening to this on is fantastic for you as well and i think that is pretty much everything i have to say so once again thank you for listening um please do subscribe because there are a lot more interviews coming uh in the next two weeks i've got another one with joe craig who you may remember i interviewed before but he's got some big news he wants to talk about um yeah that is really actually it no big messages so have a great day and thank you for listening